everybody and welcome to episode number 24 of the kickabout with me chris and as always we have dan and fran with us hi right uh we've got a lot to talk about tonight actually um we've got a bit of a mix of fa cup and premier league action from the weekend and also uh the big news today about uh super super frank lampard not so super anymore um but before we do that we're going to get into the transfer window roundup with mr dan so uh dan take it away sir um, well, one that's just come in is West Ham have made an end-of-season loan move for Jesse Lingard. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. I knew you were going to bring this up. So <laughs> I got a Facebook message from Pete today, uh, literally within about 20, 20 minutes ago, and apparently the only link from United to West Ham is that he scored the first goal under Moyes in a pre-season friendly. <laughs> and, and that's where the link is. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> But uh, no, I, I I don't see this happening at the moment. We've got, I think you're only allowed two domestic loans and we've already got Ben Rama and Dawson. Um, so unless they buy one or two at one of those two, I don't think we can have it anyway. And frankly, he is not the player that we need right now. We need a, a striker, a left back and maybe a CDM, but that's it. So I wouldn't be against him coming. So I don't think he's an awful player if he can get back to how he used to be, but he's not what we need right now. Yeah, I think if he was playing regularly at a team... He'd probably be all right, but he's not top six quality. He's no Rashford, is he? No. No. Well, interesting. I mean, I, I didn't see this. So I'm only going based off of what uh, what Pete told me. But apparently um, they were saying that United, uh, sorry, that West Ham would be too big for them or for him and that he wouldn't play for us. I'm like, I don't know if that's a really bad indictment on Lingard or a really positive thing to say about us. Probably true, to be fair. But um, yeah, so I don't see that happening. Mm. Um, so. In terms of confirmed transfers, since the last podcast we did, there's only been sort of three main ones, really. Um, one of them is quite surprising, actually. Matt Ryan from Brighton's gone on loan to Arsenal. Yeah, I saw this one, and I was like, I mean, I, I don't know who Arsenal's backup keeper is, actually, because obviously they let uh, Martinez go to, um, to Villa, and then he had Leno. So I wasn't actually sure who their backup keeper was. So... I don't know, maybe this is plugging a hole that they've had since they let Martinez go. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's it's just for the backup. Yeah, strange one. Um, and obviously, we spoke about it last week, but Ozil has, it's been confirmed that he's gone to Fenerbahce on a free transfer. Um, yeah. And on that point, Fenerbahce have put a, a plea out to their fans asking them to help f- uh, raise funds for Ozil's transfer. Really? Yeah, because they're four hundred and sixty million in debt. Oh my! I did not know that. <laughs> so they're actually doing a they're doing a, a crowdfunding Kickstarter <laughs> for their yeah, transfers now. Much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so this is a loan deal, did you say? No, no, he's moved on a permanent transfer for free. It's a permanent transfer for free. So they have knowingly put themselves into debt, knowing they don't have the money to do this, and are hoping that their fans bail them out. Yeah. I mean. Is Mike Ashley in charge of this club? I don't know. Is he? Is he... <laughs> They've obviously got a lot of faith in Ozil, don't they? And their fans, by the sound of it. I mean, oh, yeah. I actually... So, so I saw a video of Ozil uh, that appeared online. Uh, basically, it was his first training session at the club. And it, it, he just 
<laughs> I know it's cliche to say that Ozil doesn't try and he never, you know, never works very hard. But he just looked like he was just out having a lovely time with his mates at the park. Like it was, there was just no effort really at all from him. He was just sort of like jogging about. And the comments from people were brilliant. They were sort of saying, well, looks like he hasn't changed much in the two years. He hasn't been really played for Arsenal. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I'm, I'm still questioning whether or not he's got the hunger anymore. He's been out, out in the cold for so long. Um, even when he had periods in the Arsenal team, it was never, you know, long, long runs in the team. And there was always questions around him. So I do think that this is, this may not have a happy ending for him. I think that this could still be a bit of a damp squid in terms of all the, the media hype around this move. Yeah, it does. It, I mean, he strikes me as a player that's quite happy to just sit on the bench and earn his money. It doesn't strike me as a player that, you know, is really wants to get out there and work hard for the team. Yeah, I mean, I will, one thing I will say for him is that it would have been very easy for him to really publicly criticise uh, Arsenal for how they've uh, how they've uh, handled him, and he's been pretty classy, I have to say. I mean, he's he's fired the odd sort of underhanded insult by sort of saying, you know, he didn't get the chance and all this sort of thing. But for the most part, he's been extremely respectful, and he's you know he's tweeting about how he's he's an Arsenal boy now, and he'll always look out for their results and this sort of stuff. So. You know, but then they have been paying him 350k a week for doing fuck all for the last like 12 and 18 months, haven't they? So exactly that. Um, Wolves may have uh, may have solved sorry their striker problem. They've signed William Jose from Real Sociedad on loan. Okay. Um, I've seen his name thrown around a few times. I'll be honest, I know very little about him. Uh, First big question though: Is he Portuguese? He's Brazilian. They speak Uh, Portuguese. Yeah, I suppose he's. I suppose that probably just about ticks the box, doesn't it? Maybe you put like, you know, when you do a tick, you just do the one line. You don't, you, you don't complete the tick until you're happy with your purchase. So for the moment, he's Portuguese, but if he's bad, he's Brazilian to Wolves, I, I assume. Yeah. Like Andy Murray. If he's good, he's British. If he's shit, he's Scottish. Yeah. He's only scored six goals for Sociedad so far this season. So it be interesting to see how he does go into the Premier League. Mm. I mean, it, it, it might just be, did you say this is on loan, sorry? Yes, on loan. Yeah, so this this very much just sounds like a a stopgap measure until they get him in his back. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, if it works out great, they can maybe buy him at the end of the season. But if it's rubbish, then they can just sort of hand him back and deal with the problem in the summer. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and in terms of rumours, the main one, uh, which I think most people have probably heard about, is Odegaard going to Arsenal on loan. Yeah, I kind of forgotten about Martin Odegaard. Do you remember? I mean, I don't know how old he is now, but do you remember when like. He was meant to be like the next big thing. Yeah, he's 23, I think, now. And they signed him really? like 16, didn't they? Wow, has it been that long? So effectively, it's been, what, eight, eight odd years since he was signed by Madrid. Yeah, that crazy. Makes, that, makes me, that makes me feel very old. Tough, though. I mean, when you're touted to be sort of the next, well, I don't know who is being compared to, but practically the next sort of Cristiano Ronaldo is always tough to live up to expectations, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, he's not the first to fall victim to such media hype. Um, that's, you know, that's not of his doing, that's other people doing that to him. So um, there is always a, a danger of being set up for a fall, especially when you're being compared to the likes of, you know, Ronaldo and, the, you know, the, the big players of this world. So... Mm. Um, and West Brom are apparently currently in talks with Palace to sign Christian Benteke. Um, I think that could be a very good move. Um, I know Benteke has a lot of negativity 
and there's a lot of sort of banter around the fact that he's not really scored many goals, but you know, he has shown in recent, you know, in the sort of last 10 games or so that there is flashes of Benteke from old that's still in there and being the main man at uh, West Brom and the type of football that West Brom are likely to play with their direct style, that, that could suit him. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good move for them. They definitely need um, some bolster their attack as well. Yeah. Uh, and finally, apparently Klopp has told the Liverpool board that they, he wants them to sign Alaba when his contract runs out at the end of the season. Who's Alaba? Uh, David Alaba plays for Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, widely regarded as one of the best defenders in the world. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I- would be... As far as I can tell, he's got his heart set on a move to Real Madrid. So it'll be interesting to see if Liverpool can convince him. Yeah, I think um, if if he was to go to Bayern Munich, I think the key to that deal would probably be Thiago. Um, you know, Thiago having made effectively the same move from from Munich to Liverpool, could could Thiago play a part in in, in convincing Alaba to come across? Maybe um, yeah, potentially. But, but be certainly one hell of a defensive partnership, Alaba and Van Dyke. Would he want to play in the Europa League, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was a very underhand little dig in the uh, in the ribs there, Dan. <laughs> oh dear. Right, is uh, is that is that you, up? Yeah, that's that's about it. It's been quite quiet this uh, January. It has, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, obviously, the pandemic will be playing a part, but um, I don't know whether we'll get like a rush of deals maybe towards the end of the window. Yeah, you're still waiting to sign someone, aren't you? Yeah, I've got a I've got a nasty feeling that we we may not sign anyone. I just I've seen lots of talk about who we're going after. I mean, the, the latest one is this um I can't remember his exact name. Uh he's an Egyptian player, I believe, who plays up front for Seville. Um, and they they want a lot of money for him, and I'm not sure West Ham are gonna extend to that now if in the summer we get a nice big bonus from finishing a lot higher up the league than we did last year then maybe we'll go back in for him but it's a gamble because Antonio is injury prone and the only strikers we've got other than that are youngsters so we'll have to um, have to wait and see Mm. so uh, right let's move on then Um, and let's get started with the show with this Dan the stack, man. <laughs> so this weekend, Tammy Abraham became the first Chelsea player to score an FA Cup hat-trick since who back in 2016 against MK Dons? MK Dons, 2016. Hmm, that's a good question. That was only five years ago, so... Mm, okay right well we'll, uh, we will ponder on that and get the answer to that later in the show uh before we move on uh i just want to gauge how you're feeling dan uh, how are you feeling about tonight's quiz uh if i lose tonight then i'll be nervous <laughs> <laughs> so you're not even though i've reeled off what three in a row or whatever it is yes you're not feeling the nervous just yet no, no i'm still good what is okay. it now uh nine eight Nine eight, yeah. If I win, if I win tonight, it, we go all square. Yeah, um, and then it all goes down to next week. Like four or five up, but yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Okay. Let's um, let's get cracking then with the show. Let's get straight into the big news. And I must say, it was very good of Chelsea to do this on a Monday, 
just before our podcast so that we can actually talk about current news for a change rather than being four, five, six days behind the uh, behind the uh the, the news when it when it lands so lampard has gone which i'm sure everyone listening ha- uh, knows about by now 18 months in charge um I, I mean the pressure had been mounting on him for a number of games a number of weeks but i don't think anyone actually expected the sacking to take place right now i mean it didn't seem like the pressure was that high that it was really on the on the table no i'm quite sad actually because i like lampard and i think he deserved to be given a lot more time especially with what he did last season you know he didn't have a transmitter to buy any players and they'd just lost Hazard, their best player. And he did quite well. He got them to fourth place. Mm. Um I don't know, you know, would he still have been sacked if he hadn't spent two hundred million? I don't know. Yeah. I mean that's the thing, isn't it? I mean two hundred million does it almost without without you realizing it, it does raise expectations of what the club should be doing when you spend that sort of money and bring in the sort of players that they did. But Chelsea, I mean, they're only lying ninth in the league. I know that sounds worse, but they're, they're only two wins, uh, sorry, five points off of fourth place. They've got two wins in the last six, so it, it's not great form. Don't get me wrong for a, for a side like Chelsea, but it's not it's not horrific. Um, they top their Champions League group. They're still in the FA Cup. Is it? Is it really that bad right now? I mean, I know the performances haven't quite been there, but is it really bad enough to warrant sacking someone? Well, I think for the other sort of 19 teams in the league, it, it, it wouldn't be. But for Chelsea, I've seen them sack managers from much better positions. Do you reckon Timo feels guilty right now? Because... <laughs> I don't think it's just Timo. The problem is when you buy seven or eight players in one window, it's really hard to get them all clicking at the same time. But do you reckon they're feeling guilty because everyone's like, you've spent so much money and nothing's happened? I'm sure a lot of, I don't know about the new signs, but I know a lot of the players that, you know, are sort of Chelsea, like Mason Mounts, they'll be gutted. Yeah, he's just put an Instagram post up. Mm. What what does it say? Is it a, uh, I'm sad you're gone type post? Yeah, it says like, I've learned so much from you. Thank you for everything. Yeah, it it is sad. I mean, um, uh, do you think it was opportunistic from Chelsea with um, with, with Tuchel being available? Maybe they thought that you know, I know they, there was rumours that he was actually not even their first choice um, because you know they were talking about Allegri, who may be looking at other clubs. The Leipzig manager is not available right now, but do you think they were just their hand was forced because you've got this manager is available now? He got PSG to the their first ever Euro, uh, European Cup final, so it is, it is tricky to 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 know whether a manager of PSG has good credentials because PSG are often so dominant in the league that they're in. Yeah, I, I think he did quite well at Dortmund. That's when he got the PSG job because of how he performed with Dortmund. Um, but yeah, I do think that they've sort of taken the opportunity while there is a potential top-class manager on, well, free a free agent. Yeah, do you, do you, I mean, Tuchel is a, is, a, is supposedly, I don't know, is it Tuchel? Tuchel, I don't know. Um, he is apparently a really hard taskmaster, so I feel like this is going to be quite a shock to the system when he comes in compared to uh, to Lampard. And there has been some details coming out about uh, some of the reasons behind the sacking. Chelsea themselves actually issued a statement today that was quite su- surprisingly honest and open. Um, it read, I mean, this is part of it. It said, we are grateful to Frank for what he's achieved in his time as the head coach of the club. However, recent results and performances have not met the club's expectations, leaving the club mid-table without any clear path to sustained improvements. And he goes on to say, after a lengthy deliberation consideration, it was decided that a change is needed now. Like, that's quite a... Quite a powerful statement, what they've said there. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you think that? I mean, do you think it warranted that level, or do you think that's that's a bit harsh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit harsh, but I th- I cannot. Although people sort of say didn't see it coming, I kind of think at the same time you kind of could see it coming. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, Pete actually again, good old Pete. Well, Pete's like uh, I actually contacted him to see if he wanted a job. He turned it down. Um, <laughs> I, co- I contacted him and said, would you like to come on the show at some point to, as a thank you for all the um, the promoting of our show that you're doing? And he said no. So effectively, we've got free labour right now, so I'm all for it. Um, Why do, I'm offended. Why do you not want to come on the show, Pete? <laughs> well, I feel, like, I feel like we could probably guilt trip him into it. I feel like don't, I feel like we could make it happen. Like they say, don't meet your heroes. <laughs> 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 um, going back to going back to Lampard, you're saying that you, you, you're sort of seeing the writing on the wall a little bit. Uh, Pete did send me a list of managers in the Premier League since 2003 for Chelsea and their points per game record. Lampard is bottom of all yeah. the managers they've had in the Premier League since 2003. And actually, if you look, um, I mean, his points per game is below, uh, you know, all of the managers, but he's had other than one, two, three managers. Uh, those three managers being um, Ancelotti, Conte, and Mourinho. Although I think Mourinho, in theory, should be split out into two there because of the two stints he had. Lampard is has had the most games out of all the other managers, so it's not like he he's actually been given considerably, in some cases, more time than previous managers. So when you look at it like that, can you sort of say, well, you know, they have given him a bit more time? <laughs> to that, I would say yes, and at the had- same time, I'd say no because. You've got to look at how, you know, Leicester weren't such powerhouses back then. And, I mean, back then it was like a top three, top four. Now you could say top seven, top eight teams are all sort of fighting for the title. Um, So it's a lot harder to be a manager of one of the top 10 teams now than it was sort of 10, 15 years ago, in my opinion. Yeah. There's also been some noise coming out about the lack of tactical knowledge from Lampard and players are getting frustrated at Lampard not really talking to them for for months on end. And there's also now been I've I've seen in the last half an hour or so that um, there's been some unrest within the change room and certain players. Um, Anthony Rudiger's name has been mentioned as as one who effectively may have started a, a bit of a dressing room revolt amongst one or two of them, and they may have taken their cases up to Mr. Uh, Abramovich. Uh, which is a shame because Abramovich, I think him and Lampard do have a, a pretty good relationship. So I think that whilst it's dis- disappointing and sad for a lot of Chelsea fans that he's gone, it does sound like it might have been fairly amicable. So, you know, if Lampard can, you know, go away and if he's going to continue his managerial career and if he can improve, um, I don't think the door is closed to him uh, in the future. Um, interestingly, I've joked about Lampard. If he if he gets sacked, then it's good news for West Ham fans, as it may mean the end of their pursuit of Declan Rice. And apparently, some outlets are reporting that actually his pursuit of him caused anger and unhappiness in the senior members of the club because they they didn't want uh, the bad PR of signing an academy reject for a, such a large fee. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, well, I guess Chelsea have had quite a bit of stick for letting players such as Salah and De Bruyne go recently, haven't they? Yeah. And I mean, obviously they haven't re-signed them, but I I wonder if that's playing into the head as well. But I mean, he was let go at about, I don't know, it was like 14 or 15 years old. 
I mean, I don't think you can really accuse Chelsea of, you know, at the time, if they got rid of him for a good reason. I think even Declan Rice has said on occasion that at the time he wasn't, you know, he wasn't up to the grade and he was just thankful that West Ham gave him a chance and he's obviously grasped it with both hands. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very odd one that actually, after all of this noise about wanting to sign him, that actually the uh, the, the board members were against it. Um, yeah, moving on. One other factor is the cost to Chelsea. Since 2004, how much do you think Chelsea have uh, paid out in compensation to Sachs managers? Have a guess. Oh, bloody hell. Uh... Well, I've just read it on the notes, so... (laughs) (laughs) Cheating. Cheating. Okay, well, I'll give uh, give our listeners a a few moments to have an educated guess. Um, And it is 100... And 10 million pounds. Now, this includes a 26 um, pound, uh, a 26 million pound, sorry, horror case with Antonio Conte when it all got legal and um, there was lots of other bits and pieces with Conte's backroom stuff, also getting uh, payouts as well. But that's not including Lampard. And he had about 18 months left on his contract. So there's, it's quite possible that there's another 10, 15 million added on top of that to. Uh, to Lampard now that he's gone. So, yeah, but 120 million plus potentially on managers just because you've sacked them before. I mean, it does make you wonder why managers get given three, four-year contracts in, in today's day and age. You know, football is always, you know, under the microscope and scrutiny, scrutin, uh, scrutinied about the amount of money that is spent, and yet they're so happy to pay out these incredible compensation packages when they, when they sack managers. It's incredible. Well, especially in Chelsea's case, I mean, not many managers last more than two or three seasons at Chelsea, do they? Yeah. Imagine what it'd be if Watford were like a top top Premier League team. The amount of managers they go through, they go for about four a year. Yeah. Well, I imagine the man- it's the managers themselves that say, I'm not coming. And especially, in, like I say, in Chelsea's case, I'm sure if, if Chelsea offered you the job, you'd be like, yeah, but I'm not coming for anything other than a three or four year contract because you know, you, you, you know you'll be lucky to get to two years. Yeah, very much so. And the general response from the fans has been one of sadness and disappointment. I've I've been keen to look at the the comment sections on a lot of the posts around social media to see to kind of try and gauge the feeling. Um, and obviously, he was a club legend, and sacking a club legend is always a sticky subject. But one person who seemingly was quite happy was Danny Drinkwater. Did you guys see his Instagram story earlier? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a picture of him celebrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's fair to say there was not much love lost between those two. Um, and I'm, I don't know whether Danny Drinkwater thinks that he's suddenly going to get into the team because uh, Tuchel's now there, but I, I very much doubt he's going to be recalling him from his loan out in Turkey or wherever he is. Guarantee that he'll come out and say, oh, it was just a coincidence that he tweeted it as well. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, unsurprisingly, um, the posts that we put up on social media about Lampard did get a lot of traction, thanks to uh, everyone that commented. Uh, we've got a couple of pickouts here, so we're, we're, we're going to use this as our listener segment this week because it's obviously the hot topic of the day. Uh, a friend of mine, Lee Cole, said, uh, Gutted really wanted him to succeed, but the results haven't been good enough, and some of his decisions recently have been quite odd. It was just too soon for him, and he goes on to say um, he hasn't been able to find a consistent team or formation which I have seen that comment thrown around a bit. Would you agree that he hasn't really ever settled on a side? Yeah, he's been quite a bit of a tinker man, hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's, it's a funny one because he's, he, the amount of money they spend and the players they brought in, it, it almost feels like at the moment that it has unbalanced the team. 
Um, he, he seemed to find quite a good balance last year with his younger team. Obviously, they were quite inconsistent. But this year, it's almost like he just doesn't quite know where his team is. And that doesn't help when you've got players of Werner and Havertz's quality that just have not been firing. Um, but uh, yeah, and then uh, Liam Granger, he was quite level-headed about this. And he sort of says that, you know, this is very much in character for uh, Roman Abramovich. As Chelsea, the 200 million spending suggests uh, has cast a shadow and, and many will raise expectations because of this. But the team really hasn't had enough of a chance to gel properly, perhaps again, down to the, the tinkering of the side a bit too much. And he also says, and this is a point I think we're all going to agree on here, that if you look at other teams, you know, Klopp was given time when he came to Liverpool. Um, and aside from the slump right now, I mean, they've had enormous success over the last two or three years. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been given time. So, I mean, if we, if we take eight to 10 bad games as a run, for somebody being sacked. I mean, only Gunnar Solskjaer could have been sacked three or four times in the last in the last two years. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, I, do, I, do, I, do you I think that's the case? Do you think that um, perhaps Ibramovic should have looked at some of the other models that the Premier League clubs are doing right now? Yeah, 100%, especially with the way football is nowadays. Like, there's no... Because I saw um, that when they sacked him, they said that they want instant success, but it, it just doesn't... It's not that easy anymore. There's not just three or four teams fighting for the title. There is literally yeah, between eight and ten all fighting for the title now. Yeah, and I think that Ibrahimovic needs to understand as well. It's it's back in the when he first took over. Obviously, they spent an awful lot of money and they got almost instant success. And it's almost like he's harping back to those days. Like he still feels like that is the that's the solution. That is the the criteria, the blueprint for building a successful team. Is you just throw a load of money at it, get a, a manager in, and it'll be fine. But now like there's other teams in the Premier League now who've got that sort of spending power and there's other teams with vastly more experienced managers than Lampard and if you're just going to throw him in there expecting him to turn a, a turn a team into a Premier League winning team inside one season because let's you know let's not forget last season was effectively a write off because of the transfer ban I think you you essentially you're setting Lampard up for failure yeah i mean he had one season at derby and he didn't you know he didn't get them promoted or anything like that i did think it was a bit of a a jump when he went to Chelsea, but I, I do like Lampard and I do hope he succeeds. Um, maybe he could go to Celtic and have a, a Gerard V Lampard over there. Oh, I'd love that. That would be brilliant. Well, Celtic are probably going to be looking for a manager fairly soon anyway. Mm. So um, that would certainly spice things up in Scotland. Uh, Joe Morton said on Instagram simply, died. He just left it at that. He didn't even respond to when I said to him, do you think you should have been given more time? He just, I think he was too busy like crying in a corner somewhere. Um, <laughs> and then finally, Pete, who, um, you know, he sort of said, well, he, he seems to be doing, uh, it's a bold call for Frank anyway, but to expect greatness from a manager that has managed Derby and that's his only job on his CV, what did they honestly expect? Which is, I think, a very, very true statement. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's, it's disappointing, but it's going to be very, very interesting now to watch what Tuchel does and also what Lampard does for his next move. Right, so that covers off the uh, the big news of the day. So let's get on with some football chat. As I mentioned, there was a mix of FA Cup and Premier League action at the weekend. So uh, let's stay on topic with Chelsea and let's talk about their game with Luton in what obviously proved to be Lampard's final game in charge. It ended with a win, but would it, would it be fair to say that Luton gave Chelsea a bit of a scare? Yeah, second second half definitely. Um, it was all Luton to be honest. Chelsea got the goals and. Where it made it where it counts, but I did think Luton, if they'd have 
scored a couple of chances they had, they definitely could have uh, turned the tide. Yeah, um, it's. I watched. Uh, I didn't watch all of the game. I, I was flicking in between bits and pieces while trying to sort out uh, my son for his lunch and bits and pieces. So I wasn't able to get a real grasp on how the game going. But every time I looked up, Luton, you know, very positive. You know, every time they went forward, they did look fairly dangerous. Um, and with Kepper in goal, there's always a chance, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was starting to feel sorry for him, to be honest. You see it on his face as well. As soon as he conceded the guy, he was like, oh, fucking hell, it's going to be bloopers this now. <laughs> I mean, there'll be an entire DVD for him soon. I don't know about a blooper reel. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not just him that continues to struggle. Timo Werner, who failed to score again, and this time he even missed a penalty as well. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you think of the pen? I feel like it was one of those where he's done the right thing. He's got his very low on confidence and you need to just hit it and hit it hard. And he kind of has, but it's it's in the middle of the goal and the keepers dive the right way. Yeah, I, as you say, penalties are a funny thing because it's always a case of if the keeper goes the right way and saves you, you, you know, you always say it's a bad penalty. But I think if you step back and look at it, if the keeper goes the other way, you're you're sort of saying, you know, that's an emphatic penalty. He smashed it home. So I think you probably have to give props to the goalkeeper more than you sort of take aim at Werner for, for failing to score. Um, did you say that you you had a, a message from a friend or something that was like ripping into Werner? Yeah, well, um, Iden, well, Iden said that um, he was happy that it was a penalty because Werner um, would have missed the shot otherwise. And then two seconds later, he steps up and misses the penalty. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for Werner because, he, you know, there's a lot of quality in there. Um, and I did see a, another funny sort of meme going around about Werner where it's, it's sort of said it's it's understandable why Werner is doing so badly when every day he shoots at Kepper in training. It's no wonder that he struggles to score when he comes up against an actual goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> which I thought was quite harsh, but it did make me giggle. Um, I mean... We spoke about Kepper and Werner there, but obviously Havertz is struggling right now. And, and even Ziyech looks a little off the pace as well, given how well he started this season. So, I mean, how much of the struggles of these players can you honestly put down to a manager? Like, is, is this all down to the manager or is this just part and parcel of, of, of a football player's confidence going up and down? Um, I think a bit of both. I think, especially when you come to a new club, you obviously want to hit the ground running and all eyes are on you and you know you've got that price tag on you and and it's tough and like I said it's also tough when a lot of new players all go straight into a new team and none of them have played together before it's hard to gel straight away they did at one point though. they did yeah they had a good run of form um I'm not really sure what happened I'm not sure what game it was that turned things back around but yeah yeah I mean I mean we don't have to as, as Fran says we don't have to go back that far and we were talking about this run that Chelsea won when they were scoring loads of goals. Um, they'd stopped conceding. They, you know, Mendy, when he came in, he barely conceded a goal for about his first eight games or something stupid. So it is crazy how things have just seemingly just fallen off a cliff for, for one or two of these players. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah but the same could be said for Liverpool at the moment. Yeah, Absolutely, can. yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about them later, but they are very much in... In, in their own bad patch. Um, there were a couple of nice moments in this game, though. Mason Mount's got to be the skipper, which will be a proud moment in his career, and I think one that the fans will be um, very pleased to see, you know, one, one of their own graduates coming through and, and captaining the side. And it was also a nice hat-trick for Tammy Abraham. What, what did you make of his performance? 
Yeah, well, he did the simple things right. That was the main thing. Like all his, none of his goals were amazing, but he was in the right positions and he done what needed to be done. Which sounds stupid, but you know, when you're struggling for form, that's what you need to be doing. Yeah, I've, I've seen you know various clips and various an analysis on Abraham over the past sort of ten games or so, and there's been a lot of talk about how he, he's never in the right positions, um, particularly from crosses. You know, he doesn't seem to gamble, and he's he doesn't really convert very well, despite his physical presence. Um, he, he's not in the right places at the right time, so. I think I think it might have been Shearer on on match today, or even on the game itself, where he said that you know those two yard tappings, those are actually that's the most impressive goal from Abraham because those are the things he wasn't doing before. So you know he's showing signs of improvement. He's showing signs that he's he's making those changes in his game to make himself a more predatory type striker. Yeah, and I think with his body type, he could become a very very good striker. Like he's he's very tall and he's not slow either. A lot of the you look at someone like Giroud, who's tall but very slow, whereas um, Abraham isn't. He's he's very different, and there's not many strikers with that sort of body type. Yeah, and he is. He does have an eye for goal. I mean, he's not like he hasn't scored goals for Chelsea. I mean, obviously he was their top scorer last season. I, I don't know how many goals he's got this season, but I know it's it's a reasonable number. And when he's got the ball at his feet and he's in with a chance of goal, he more often than not he will hit the back of the net. So if he can improve that other side to his game, then there's every chance that you know he will become a mainstay for for Chelsea. So I mean, this ended up being quite a timely reminder of his qualities, not just to the new boss coming in for Chelsea, but to, you know the footballing world and also the England boss with the with the Euros coming up so do you see a way for Abraham to get into that Euro squad this year or do you think that there's too many ahead of him in the pecking order I think there's you know if, if he keeps it going maybe but I don't think just off of one or two games yeah yeah, yeah. so right um let's uh shall we talk about this before the break yeah why not why not let's uh let's keep it going May United against Liverpool I feel like a little bit of deja vu here because we talked about this last week but uh last week's game was an intriguing chess match where both teams sort of seemed unwilling at times to really kind of venture out and the game lacks a little bit of quality and whatnot but this one this was a cracking game what did you guys think of this one yeah I wonder if that's because this is knockout and Maybe neither, te- neither team wanted to go to extra time or anything like that, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Um, you know, United coming away with the win in the end. What, what was your thoughts on the United performance then, Dan? I was very happy, yeah. Um, <laughs> very <laughs> wasn't happy. wasn't it? Well, no, I was. I mean, I was a bit annoyed by the goals. I thought they were quite sloppy that we conceded. But the overall performance, I think we played very well. Do you think you deserve the win or do you think it was harsh yeah, from I, Liverpool? No, I think, I think we did. I mean... The two goals we conceded were one was a great pass by Firmino and he just threaded it straight through. But I thought our back four just switched off and let Salah run through. Um, Second goal that Liverpool scored, I thought was just pretty much the same thing, sort of switched off and lost the ball. And it was sort of one or two passes again. But I thought that overall we were we were in charge of the game personally. Yeah. Uh, And somebody else who had another strong game was Mr. Pogba. Um, now he obviously scored a belter midweek against Fulham last week, which I think won the game in the end. Um, and a, a real highlight of his resurgence of form was his desire in the the big tackles. So uh, on the first goal for United, he he was the one who made that really big 
sort of chance saving tackle on the edge of the box, which eventually then led to the equaliser following uh, Rashford's raking pass, which Milner misjudged. Um, how frustrating is it as a United fan seeing Pogba playing like this after the way he has played at times this season? Very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, 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 was, I can't remember if it was on if it was during that game with the commentary or if it was someone else, but they were saying that the thing with Pogba is now that United are looking at a title, he's suddenly come alive because he's got something to play for. Whereas when United were like sat around 10th place fighting for Europa League, he's, he's not interested because he's a title winning player. Do you buy into that? Or do you think, you know, that a player like Pogba should shouldn't be like that or, you know is, is that a problem in, to have in a, in a team when you've got a player that only really starts being interested when there's a sniff of a piece of silverware involved yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I I don't really want a player like that at the club because you know as, as nice as it is being at the top at the moment I can't see it lasting the rest of the season um still a long way to go and I'm, I'm hoping you know if we start to drop off at I hope Pogba's performances don't start to drop away, but he's adding the pennies to his price tag at the moment. Well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe Raiola said, come on, get your ass in gear. If you want to move, you've got to prove it. Um, I mean, obviously, after the Lampard chat, we've mentioned about how United have been patient with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, very patient, in fact, over the last sort of two years and however long he's been there. Patience very much now is seems to be paying off. Um, he's obviously developing as a manager. He's still pretty young in his managerial career but through being given more time now do you think that dare I say is he destined to have a successful career as United manager um jury's still out on that one to be honest I mean I've been very vocal with Ollie being out um so I don't want to keep flip-flopping to and from I'm still not you know, I'm still not still sort of shouting Ollie in type thing. I'm I'm a bit less Ollie out than I was, but we're still only halfway through the season. I'm not I'm not that uh, naive that we've won it already. I feel like you could be like four 0 up in the Champions League final in ninety minutes, and you'd be like, "Nah, jury's still out. No, not <laughs> still not quite sure." And then the full time whistle goes, and you'll be like Rio Ferdinand. Give him a contract. Let him write what he wants on it. Yeah, that is me down to a T. <laughs> yeah. um, turning attention to Liverpool then. So Klopp blamed sort of decisive mistakes as the reason that his team lost this game. How worried should he and Liverpool fans be right now? Is this just a, you know, an overhyped bad patch of form? I mean, we saw, you know, United at the start of the season were very poor. So were City. And now, you know, they've both kicked on. So are we, are we reading too much into this like we did with their uh, bad patches of form? I was yeah. quite surprised that he didn't play Henderson at centre-back with Fabinho again, Being looking at how well they, he did in the Premier League against Man United. I almost mm. feel like that, that Williams there, because he, he can be a bit childish, Klopp. He sort of throws his toys out the pram and he makes these comments and stuff. And I, to me, it almost felt like a, a sort of, I don't know how to say it, but I felt like he was trying to prove a point to the board, the Liverpool board saying, you know, I need players. Uh, the old Mourinho tactic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't look right now like Liverpool are going to be signing any players this month. And Klopp did seemingly hold his hands up and say that, <clears throat> um, I, th- I can't remember if it was this game or if it was uh, the game against, uh, who would they lose to? Burnley, wasn't it? Where they lost their ridiculously long unbeaten run. Still, obviously, Chelsea's home unbeaten run is the record. Another pretender, if you like, has come and gone. Um 
obviously it's still a sensational record over 68 games unbeaten at home but Klopp sort of came out and said you know this, this is this is on me this is it's down to me to get this right but it certainly doesn't look like there's any signings coming this way uh, in January do you think do you think that's a mistake um well I mean looking at their form at the moment you would although it's not been so much defensive side is it they've not been scoring goals so it's an interesting no, it's, you know, obviously at the start of the season, we were having a good laugh and a giggle about Liverpool's defensive record because they were conceding goals left, right and centre. And at one point they did have, you know, sort of seven, eight games into the season. I think they had the worst goal difference in the league um, or the worst certainly goals conceded tally in the league anyway. So, I mean, Fabinho's done well to fill in. Obviously, Henderson did well last week. Williams, I think there's potential there, but he's very much a work in progress. And I think he... He showed elements of his inexperience at times at the weekend, and he was flying into tackles quite a lot. And he obviously missed the, I think it was Rashford for his for the for his goal, where he sort of misjudged the ball a little bit, and it was an easy tap in for for Rashford in the end. And it was still a good finish, but yeah, I, I I do feel like they do need another defender. You know, even if they just bring somebody in as a stopgap measure, just get somebody in an experienced central central defender, plug the gap for a little while. Um, and you know, see it out to the rest of the, to the end of the season. Yes, the problem Liverpool aren't that kind of team, are they? They've got this sort of philosophy of sort of scouting players for a year or two before they try and bring them in. And I just don't think they want to bring someone in for the sake of it or short term. Do you get what I mean? Do you, Do you think that um, there's a, a certain best defender in the world, Dejan Lovren? Do you think they uh, Do you think they're regretting <laughs> selling him now? Yeah, maybe then get Skirtle back from Turkey. Well, he's done, hasn't he just retired, Skirtle? I've done actually. Maybe call him out of retirement. Get his. No, I'm I'm just going to do a quick Google here, but I'm pretty sure that I've seen that he uh, had to retire because he had a really bad injury. Oh yeah, ex Liverpool star Martin Skirtle has contract terminated by Istanbul uh, Bashakir for rupturing Achilles at the age of 36. Yeah, that's mm. a career ender, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bit harsh just to sack him because he got injured. <laughs> that must have been mutual, though. They can't have just sacked him. Yeah, surely there's a rule that you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, unless they just paid the rest of his contract off. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if this was a thing, if this was like a loophole that anybody can do? West Ham's sitting there with Andy Carroll for five years going, fucking, why didn't we know this? <laughs> Oh dear, right. Um, yeah, just back to Liverpool very quickly. A big game against Spurs this week. Um, do we think that this was... Were there positives they could take from this performance? I mean, they've scored a couple of goals, which puts puts on hold that particular run of bad form. Um, defensive errors aside, I wouldn't say Liverpool played that badly against United from what I saw. No, they didn't. They were very much in the game. Um, it was just, you know, sort of three um, bits of good play from United and two bits of good play from Liverpool. And it was a very even game. It could have easily gone either way. Um, just thankful for Bruno coming on when he did. Yeah, great free kick from him. Uh, any any blame apportioned to Allison there being beaten that side of his goal? Um, yeah, but I think if you watch him, he was going going to his right, and then he's sort of all his weight is on his right foot, and it's hard to then go back the other way. I, I saw that. Um, I know uh, Bruno said actually after the game that it was Cavani that told him to go that side of the goal. They said that yeah. though commentary didn't. They? Yeah, yeah. Said to go that way. So, yeah, they, I mean, they've got a huge game against uh, Spurs this week on Thursday, which if Spurs were to win, would see Liverpool slip outside the top four if they lose. Um, on the assumption that they do lose, 
uh, and on the assumption that City win their two games in hand, that would see them jump above United into first place and they would be 10 points above Liverpool. Do you think that we're just beginning to get to the territory where 10 points would be too much to overhaul to retain their title? Um, no. I don't think so because City were quite far behind and now they've almost leapfrogged everybody. Um, yeah, so and we are lot- playing a dangerous game here because if this season has taught us anything, it's to stop trying to predict what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I mean, City aren't looking. City are looking very on, on, ominous right now, and I think ten get ten points would be. I mean, obviously, you're you're relying there on City losing another three games and then dropping points in maybe one or two others as well. And Liverpool would have to keep keep winning, so it's it's a big ask to to come back on there. But as you said, this season has been one that's uh, had a lot of strange things happen. So, right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the Premier League, and then we're going to give our midway thoughts on how the season has panned out so far. everyone and welcome back to the show let's get straight back into it then let's talk about the one premier league game that happened at the weekend aston villa against newcastle and the misery continues to pile up for newcastle doesn't it yeah the, the, it's not looking rosy for them. no i don't, I don't know i don't know how long bruce has got left in him yeah it's no win in 10 games just three wins in their last 15 it's looking pretty bleak for newcastle right now are they are they just sort of sleepwalking into a relegation fight? Yeah, <laughs> they are, yeah. Um, it's such a shame in Newcastle. I think they're a club with such high potential, but just an owner that doesn't really want to do anything to do with them. Yeah, I mean, Burnley have now overtaken them in the league and Newcastle are just seven points off relegation uh, themselves and <clears throat> should Fulham win their game in hand, although I think that game in hand against Man City, so it's unlikely. Um, but if Fulham were to win that game, then they would be uh, just, what's that, uh, four points off relegation. So it's, yeah, it's 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 dangerous times at the moment for, for Newcastle. Now, I, I do feel for them because... West Ham have had periods where things have looked really bad and it seems like there isn't much to get your hopes up. Newcastle have got an awful owner who has yet to sell the club and we're not really sure on the exact reasons why, but I don't know about you guys, but personally, I always feel like there's more to it with these failed bids. I mean, how many times can you bid for a club and not have it go through for one reason or another? I feel like there's something else going on behind the scenes with that. Um, they've got, they're, they're a poor team at the moment. They're right out of form. The, the manager isn't one that the fans wanted in the first place. It's just all pretty tragic at the moment, isn't it? There's just nothing for the Newcastle fans to get excited about. Yeah, no. no, I've got nothing against Steve Bruce, but he's not the most exciting manager, is he? No. I mean, we we, we talked about them earlier in the season, and Wilson was, was getting those early goals in the season. He was looking really lively. But was those goals from Wilson and those just moments of good attacking play very much papering over the cracks when in reality the performances weren't actually that great yeah that's a strange one because they've got a good they've got some good players in there and it, well yeah i don't know I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on what it is exactly that they're going wrong i mean the only plus point at the moment for newcastle fans is the fact that alan st maximin is back from his layoff with a fairly serious bout of covid um but right now the way they are i mean 
I'm not even sure he even he can lift the team right now. I mean, some of the things I'm reading about Newcastle is that, you know, they just look lackluster. They just look lethargic. There's just no, no creativity about them. It's this is one head of a job for Bruce, and he is still coming out even after they lost this game against Villa. He's still coming out and saying that he's, you know, he's seeing positives in in their performances. And I don't know what fucking game he's watching, but no one else is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he has to, doesn't he? He can't come out and say we're a bucket of shite, but. <laughs> Oh, just for just for the bands, I wish you would. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, for Newcastle, I just don't see I don't see where they're picking up points right now. I mean, I don't know when the last time uh they scored. They've got Leeds next, and of course, Leeds are a, a, an extremely mixed bag. And then they've got Everton and then Palace. So Everton, you know, they're they're going pretty well. You'd be you don't really see them getting anything from that game. And then they've got Palace and Southampton. So they're going to, need to pick up points pretty quick if they want to pull away from this um, from this relegation fight. Yeah, and they, they need to be, be beating teams like... Pa- I mean, they need to be beating... Oh, bloody, I can't remember, what is it? They need to be beating teams like Villa as well, um, ideally, but definitely need to be beating those teams that are around them, in and around them. Yeah, and for Villa, they were back from their postponed uh, or enforced break thanks to the COVID outbreak in their team, and they just sort of picked up where they left off, really, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I'm quite enjoying watching Villa. Villa and Leeds, Villa and Leeds this season. I'm enjoying watching them. Yeah, they've really, uh, really set the world alight, really, or set the Premier League on on fire. They've got still got two games in hand. Winning both of them would take them up as high as fourth potentially. I mean, it's. It's it's just an incredible season. It's just you know we, we've we've questioned about whether the long longevity of this of this run that they're on, and it's it's not showing any signs of slowing down, is it? No, um, and it, I mean, I say it I say it almost every week, but it's crazy to think that you know they were one game off of being in the championship this season. It's it is remarkable, and and for the most part, they don't really have. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, and maybe listeners can get in touch, and Villa listeners can get in touch, but. As far as I know, Barkley and Watkins were the only two they brought in. I don't think they went mad in the transfer window in the summer. Um, I think they brought in Matty Cash, actually, as well, from Nottingham Forest that, at right back. Torre's new as well. Okay, I'm talking shit, because Martinez is new as well. Right, ignore, ignore what I just said. <laughs> they have brought in some good players. <laughs> um, but even so, I mean, you know, for Dean Smith to sort of transform them into the team that they are, um, it was the first goal in nine games for for Ollie Watkins. But for the most part, he's been a very good signing, not just for his goal scoring, but his all round play. Um, Bertrand Traore getting in on the goals, and he's starting to look quite sharp as well with some really neat touches. And big news as well, Ross Barkley back in the side as well. Yeah, and quickly on Watkins, another potential England player. Um, if his form, you know, continues to go as it is. Yeah, I mean, him, the way he's working, he's a, he's a different type of player to a lot of the other England options that we have right now. He's the sort of player that will just keep running and running and running and chase down those sort of lost causes. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that front four is is back together with, uh, with, with Villa because now that Barkley's back in there, you've got Troy Ore, who is keeping El Ghazi out of the side, who, you know, let's not forget, he's, he was on a cracking run of goals before um, COVID put a temporary halt to their season. I mean, they've got one hell of a dangerous front four, haven't they? I mean, I suppose when you, when you put it on paper, is it any wonder that they're actually doing as well as they are? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and they're all in really good form as well. But it's not just their front four, to be honest. I know that their front four is very good, but even the likes of Josh McGinn, John, John McGinn. John McGinn, um, yeah. John McGinn, um, obviously the goalkeeper, Martinez, has been really good this season. And their defenders, their back four, are, could probably walk into a lot of teams this season. Yeah, and, and on that uh, on that topic, and I think you're right, it has gone a little unnoticed, is that they've got the third best defensive record in the league. They've only conceded 18 goals all season. Um, only um, Spurs and Man City have a better goals conceded tally, which is incredible, really, because, again, <laughs> going back to, I mean, from a defensive point of view, um, I, I don't know, is it just because they just got the ball so much and they give it to Greenish and we're just scoring lots of goals that, you know, if you've got the ball, the other team can't score type approach? Well, they counter very well, don't they? They drop, like, the likes of Grealish almost sort of sit on the edge of their own box and then counter. Yeah, it's it's quite um, it's quite interesting actually how this is how their side has played out. I mean, I don't know whether this is a deliberate ploy from Dean Smith, but I don't recall them playing in such a way last season. Perhaps it was personnel that they had what wasn't quite up to the task of doing it. But if this has been a deliberate change in tactics this season, you know, adapting to the players that he has, I mean, it's an absolute masterstroke. And do we think that we have to now consider them totally realistic prospects for a Europa League place this year? Yeah, I mean, you look at how well Sheffield United did last season. I'd say that Villa are way, way ahead of what Sheffield United were. Um, so I think they've got a much better chance, obviously, than, I mean, Sheffield fell away in the end, but that was mainly, I think, due to COVID sort of interrupting their season. Would have been interesting to see where they finished um, without COVID. But I think Villa have definitely got a chance of potentially getting the Europa League spot. Yeah, and let's not forget as well, um, the this new Europa Conference League, whatever it's called, um, that comes into effect next year. So there is an extra Europa League spot up for grabs. It's effectively Europa League 2, um, which I believe starts next year. So I don't know whether that means that, uh, since it's normally 5th and 6th plus the two winners of the Cups that go into the Europa League from memory. So I don't know if that now means that 7th goes into this new Europa League 2 slot. but you know, it's it's going to be probably regarded as a bit of a um, a poor man's Europa League, and a, you know that's saying something because most people look down upon the Europa League. But it's it's Europe nonetheless, right? And for a team like Aston Villa, that could still be huge for them. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of it to be honest. If you just start opening up Europe to every single team, you know, the whole idea of the Champions League and the Europa League, uh, teams have really got a push to get into them. Whereas if you start opening it up to like 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, it almost becomes a bit pointless. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the basis of this Europa League too, the idea is, is it's to give more, um, more opportunities for European football for some of the smaller nations, smaller footballing nations around the uh, European continent. So I know that the top, I think it's five association uh leagues that'll be Spain, England, Germany, Italy, and France, they they've only allowed they're only allowed one team to qualify into that. Now I don't know if you like in the Champions League, if you get knocked out in the group stage, you drop into the Europa League. I don't know whether if that's the same with the Europa League, if you do, you know, get knocked out at a certain point there, you drop into this. But um I know that for example, teams from the Republic of Ireland, they're gonna get three teams going in. Um I'm just looking at it now. So you get three teams from Cyprus, three teams from Greece. It's very much a, um, it's almost like a, a, um, what you call it? Nations league, just a way of trying to make it more competitive for the, for the smaller teams. 
something Scottish teams can compete in. Oh, that was low. That's a couple of low blows you've done tonight, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So they only get two teams to go in. But yeah, as you say, it does at least mean that a team in Scotland can go into Europe that's not Rangers or Celtic. Um, oh, so, well, that's very true, actually. Yeah, maybe a different team will get in there this year. So, right. Okay, that's um, that wraps up the kind of football chat this year. What I thought we could do now is... We're halfway through the season, there or thereabouts, or the majority of teams are. What do we think about um, manager of the season so far? Obviously, we, we've done our team of the weeks uh, on a regular occasion so far during this podcast. What do we think about manager of the season so far? Um, well, for me, I mean, it might be slightly biased, but I would give it to Wally just for the fact oh, that... Oh, boring. <laughs> you tell me that you thought United would be top of the league, six points ahead of Liverpool at the halfway stage of the season. Uh, okay, no, I can't do that. I would also not be able to tell you that West Ham would be two points behind Liverpool at halfway through the season as well. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I joke, but I, I don't massively disagree with that. I think he's done an incredible job. He's had huge amounts of pressure. You know, the media have been so quick to try and jump on his back every time the team looks like it's failing. Um, and he's ridden it and he's got the team playing. So it's, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, um, and if I couldn't give it to Ollie, I would give it to Villa manager, and his name has completely escaped my mind for some reason. Dean Smith. Dean Smith, yeah. Um, yeah. Just for the fact that, you know, they they were, like I say, they were one game off of relegation last season, and now they're sat high up competing um, for European spots. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a couple of other names I'd like to throw in there. Um, I think I do. I do genuinely think David Moyes has done a great job. I don't think he is a manager of the season, but I do want to say that he's doing an <laughs> awesome job at West Ham. I think that Hassan Hootel at Southampton. I know they've been a bit hit and miss recently. Um, I'm doing that just because just to wind Pete up because I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think one name that definitely should be in the mix is Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. He's smashing it. I mean, um, they, I would say that. I'd say that Pep's done a pretty good job considering how City were at the start and how they are now. Yeah, the only reason I didn't say like Pep is because I feel like City are, I mean, they were my favourites to win the league anyway. So if anything, they're underperforming for me personally. <laughs> got nothing yeah. to do with the fact that you're a United fan, you don't like City. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of rivals. <laughs> uh, but no, I think Brendan Rodgers, I mean, I saw a stat the other day that apparently Leicester have... At this stage of the season, they've got three points more than they did in the season that they won the league. Um, so that tells you, A, just how good Brendan Rodgers is doing, but also, you know, the fact that um, City and United are above them also shows how well that they've been doing, um, if, if that's the case. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, that Brendan Rodgers has done very well is sort of plugging the gaps that have been left by players they've sold. Like yeah. Pat McGuire and Ben Chilwell that have gone, obviously massive players that have left, but you know, there's you wouldn't even notice that they'd gone type thing. No, absolutely not. And I think um, he's he's got the best out of Jamie Vardy, who continues to defy, you know, expectations of his age. You know, everyone's sort of suggesting that at some point he's going to lose his speed, which is one of his biggest attributes. Um, but I don't actually think that you know when the day comes that Leicester have to look. To, to somebody else to be their kind of talismanic striker. I don't think they're going to miss Vardy on the assumption that Rogers is still there. I don't think they're going to miss Vardy as much as you might think, because Telemans has been superb. Madison's been brilliant. Harvey Barnes has been brilliant. And with Leicester's scouting system, who's to say they won't go out and find another 
uh, Jamie Vardy. You know, they seem to just find these players that not really many people have heard of um, and turn them into superstars. Yeah, and they must make quite a lot of money off of all these players that they... I mean, like Kante, they bought him in for like 400 grand and I can't even remember how much they sold him for, but definitely a lot more than that. Yeah, they're almost like the English version of Borussia Dortmund, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. In, in, in terms of their kind of transfer model. So, uh, no, good on them. And then let's talk uh, standout players for the season. What do we think on this? Well, any let's talk about Jack Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is it just because you want to talk about his uh, his leg muscles? His leg muscles, beautiful <laughs> legs. And his small socks. <laughs> um, I feel like he, he's probably been a standout player this year. Yeah, um, for me, Harvey Barnes would be one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't disagree with either of those. For, with Grealish, I think the biggest thing for him is that he's, for some reason, there's always been this blocker with getting into the England team. And I don't know what it is or what it, or what it was that prevented Southgate from picking him. But credit to Grealish, he's, he almost put himself in a position where it was impossible not to pick him um, because of how well he was playing. And now I think now that he's had one or two games for England and been very good in those games, um, I don't see Southgate dropping him anytime soon. No. And um, another player, although he's sort of been quite quiet recently, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, we were saying at the beginning of the season that we didn't really rate him. And well, he proved us both wrong, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to mention, <laughs> it pains me to say this, but Patrick Bamford at Leeds. Um, yeah. you know, I, I said, and not without you know reason, I, I, you know, he's had opportunities in the Premier League earlier on in his career and he's been absolutely toilet. And I felt that perhaps the Premier League was just a step too far for him, for his ability. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, again, credit where credit's due. Again, Leeds have been not on top of their game recently in the last 10 games, although, they, you know, they were still picking up wins here and there. Um, for Pam- Bamford to already get to 10 Premier League goals and look good doing it as well. They, you know, they, these aren't lucky goals here he's scoring. These are quality, quality goals. Um, I feel like, despite the fact that it almost cost me a tenner if I didn't renegotiate the terms of our uh, bet, <laughs> um, uh, you know, he's he's had a great season. I think uh, it's uh, you can't deny that. No. I think we have to talk about Bruno, do we not? Well, if we have to. He's well, <laughs> carried United, so yeah, he's yes. probably had. He's I love him. A good Absolutely love him. <laughs> do you feel that? Um, I mean. Bruno Bruno coming in when he did, did you ever think that he would have the impact on the team that he's had? Not at all. I mean, you know, if it, if we'd got him from a club like Real Madrid or something like that, but I think coming from Sporting Lisbon and from the, uh, the Portuguese league, it's, I would have thought it'd be very tough to go to a team like Manchester United, but another man did it and look at him now. So, Right. Are you suggesting that the career trajectories are going to be the same for Fernandes? Well, I mean, Ronaldo was 18 when he came to us and Bruno's 27, so I, I don't think he'll quite have the same career. And, I, you know, I hope we have him for all of his best years, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to score roughly 120 goals a season to catch up with Ronaldo's record at that age, I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, that's uh, all, all worthwhile. Um, where do we think um, winners of competitions right now? So, obviously, Premier League is looking very tight. If you had to pick a winner right now, regardless of who you, if you can remember, who you picked in your predictions at the start of the season, who would you say right now is best place to win this league? Um, well, I picked City at the start, and I still think it will be Man City. Yeah, I think I would probably agree with that. I agree. 
But obviously, I'm secretly hoping it's United. <laughs> I'm secretly hoping it's Leicester. I'd love to see them win it again. That'd be amazing. And just because I don't want United to win it, because I'll never hear the end of it from you. Yeah, no, I mean, anyone but Liverpool, City, Chelsea. Um, Spurs. Yeah, Spurs. Right, no, so, if it's, so if it's not United, it has to be either Leicester, Everton, Villa or West Ham. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be City. And um, I'd rather they won it personally than Liverpool. But um, yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, Fran, uh, you said City as well. Do you think, um, who do you think on the FA Cup? Spurs. Don't know about the FA Cup. I think Spurs are going to win the League Cup. Um, which is what I predicted. The FA Cup. I've... Mm. FA Cup wise, tough. There's still quite a few big There's teams in it. Yeah. Arsenal obviously are out now, and they were the holders. What about a Six domestic left. cup double for Spurs? Would you feel like that, Fran? It could. Well, I mean, they're drawing at the moment, aren't they? So yeah, are they playing a... right now? Wickham, yeah, yeah Wickham yeah. went one 0 up as well. And they've just, but they've had to put, had to bring Harry Kane on. <laughs> Gareth Bale's up <good> there. <laughs> Um, um, for me, City will win the FA Cup as well as the league. Yeah, yeah, they um, they are looking ominous at the moment. And if uh, if if Aguero does come back, I know he's. I think he's currently isolating for COVID. If he can come back and start scoring goals, it, it means bad news for the rest of the league because it does feel like at the moment they've suddenly worked out how to start scoring without a striker and they've, they've managed to work it out. So mm-hmm. it's um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's looking interesting for that. What about um? the relegation picture um if you pick three teams right now would it be any would it be different now with with newcastle's run can do you see them slipping through the trap door um well for me it's still definitely sheffield (laughs) you don't feel like they got this big comeback in them no No. i don't unless maybe (laughs) sir jesse lingard goes there i think it's still sheffield west brom for them yeah, I think I think it will be those three teams that go down. To be honest, yeah, um, it's uh, it's there's there's still a lot to happen there because obviously West Brom, we've yet to really see the full effects of what Sam Allardyce is going to do for them. Um, Burnley seem like, you know, they've won three of their last six. Um, they seem like they're now beginning to find enough form that will see them claw away. So. And I feel like Fulham and Brighton have got more about them at the moment than Newcastle do. Um, and I can see Newcastle making a change in manager with in the, in the not too distant future. I don't think they'll continue to let the team slide. So I think it could hinge on who they bring in as to whether they stay up or go down. Maybe um, get Rafa back. Uh, sorry, get Rafa back. Do you say? Yeah. Uh, I think he would go back there. I don't know whether he would want to go there with Mike Ashley still there. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions. I know there's, there's a lot of rumors around. There has been some links with Rafa Benitez going to Chelsea again. I think I saw earlier. So yeah, I don't know. I think I agree. Sheffield United, I would probably agree with West Brom. I think that's a task too far for, for Allardyce, depending on who he can bring in in the transfer window. Um, and then I think it will be out of Fulham and Newcastle. I think Brighton have got enough about them that they will they will get away as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, okay. Um, and just two more quick questions. I saw this online the other day. If you could pick only two of these following players to take with you to the uh, Euros with England, who would you take? Mount, Grealish, Madison, or Phil Foden? Which which two of those four would you take? Mount and Grealish. Yeah. 100%. Mount and Grealish for me as well. Oh, nice. Okay. I would actually, I'm going to go against you two. I'm going to say Grealish and Madison. Yes, fair enough. I mean, on current form, I could see. To be fair, I would, I would, my third would be Foden. My third would be Madison, actually. I thoroughly enjoy Mason Mountain. Just because uh, Foden would be off with Grealish with some birds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Grealish, sorry. No. Uh, no. Greenwood. Greenwood, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Are you just, or are you just saying that Foden is such a uh, a negative influence that he would just do it with any <laughs> England player you can go with? Well, potentially. So, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like Mason Mounts, I don't feel like he has any special qualities. And that's going to sound really harsh, but I don't think he's anything special, but I think he does everything. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he does things so well, but I don't feel like he does them in a special way. Whereas Grealish, Madison and Foden to some extent, maybe not as much, but I feel like they just got that extra little special where they can make something happen out of nothing. Yeah, it's a good um, free kick taker, though. That's true, he is. Um, and I just wonder where Mount fits in as well. I feel like Grealish and Madison have a place in the sort of style that um, Southgate plays, but I'm not sure Mount does, because you wouldn't play him in, in a central midfield too. Um, so realistically, for England, he would probably have to play out on the wing, and I feel like there's better players in those positions than Mason Mount, whereas Grealish and Madison might be able to sneak into those positions. Yeah, I mean, it depends what formation they play. Um, personally, I'd play four-two-three-one, and then you'd have have him as the cam. But like, yeah, it depends what. I mean, he likes to play like a five at the back, doesn't he? So yeah. Um, and then I just want to throw this one out there for shits and giggles as well, because I heard um, I heard this on the radio. Would you believe? So this isn't coming from me. Before you abuse me for this, um, <laughs> and Michel Antonio for England. What do we think? I mean, there's so much competition at the moment. There's so many players playing really well, English players playing really well. I wouldn't say, I'd say never say never. Um, There's just a lot of competition at the moment. Yeah. 14 goals in 20 games for him in the Premier League um, with obviously that's come across the space of two seasons because of, because of injuries. Um, But uh, yeah, the arguments that were being made on the radio when I heard this was that they said that there is no other striker in the Premier League who abuses and batters defences in the way that Antonio does and and the way in which he he turns lost causes into chances for his teammates. Would would you agree that perhaps, I mean, he would never be a starter for England. I'm not for one minute suggesting that he gets in front of Harry Kane. Um, But as as a plan B, when you just need someone just to hold the ball up, um, you know, chase some lost causes, maybe just try and unsettle the defence a little bit. I mean, he wouldn't be a bad plan B because we don't really have many strikers that can that can do that sort of thing. No, he is, he is a, a very different option and, and he can sort of play on the wings as well if needed. Um, so it's, it's almost like three players in one, which would be you know, another sort of handy player to have. Yeah, it really depends on what Southgate wants to do because I feel like you could easily take, you know, take the obvious options, which would be Harry Kane. I suspect he'll take Calvert-Lewin. Um, and potentially Danny Ings would be another one he would look at. Um, Danny Ings is definitely a different player, but I feel like Kane and Calvert-Lewin are, are too similar. Yeah, they're very similar players. 
Um, and I don't, I don't think that's a reason to not take Calvert-Lewin, but I feel like you do need to have a plan B. And I think that, you know, if the game's in a position where you need to change something up, I don't think bringing Calvert-Lewin on for Kane is going to change a great deal. No, no. So, right. Okay. Uh, well, that brings us towards the end of the show. We're almost getting to the, uh, to the big moment, but first let's get into this. Down the stack, man. Right. Uh, so Tammy Abraham became the first Chelsea player to score an FA cup hat trick since who back in 2016 against MK Dons. <laughs> So five years ago, um, was Lampard still there five years ago? I feel like he might have been. Um, I'm going to say Lampard, but it's probably not. It isn't. Um, I can give you the country. He's Brazilian. He's Brazilian. Oh, Willian. No. Good <laughs> guess there. Uh, how many other Brazilians do they have? I'm trying to think of other Brazilian players that uh, Chelsea have had. Give me a position. Midfield slash cam. More of a cam, I would say. Uh, Ramirez? No. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, central midfield slash cam. Not Ramirez, not Willian. Oh, um, Oscar. Yeah, it is Oscar. Yeah, there we go. Third time's the charm. <laughs> well that bodes well right it's time for the one thing everyone's been waiting for this is the reason people are tuning in now this is becoming this is becoming fever pitch it's 9-8 I've reeled off three in a row is tonight the night where it ends or do we, does it go to a final week welcome back to a very tense episode of football with Fran. So today, pretty simple. I'm just going to give you some dates and ask you for uh, what team won the FA Cup that year. Um. So to begin <laughs> with, uh, 2008. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so nervous. Okay. Who won the FA Cup in 2008? <sighs> Five. Four, I can't even remember what I had for dinner yesterday. Three, won the FA Cup. <laughs> right, go on, Chris. I'm gonna say Chelsea. I've gone for Chelsea as well. Oof, Portsmouth. Oh, oh sorry. Pete is gonna be fuming. He is gonna be fuming. <laughs> Can I just say, Pete? That's why I picked 2008 because I was like, Port, our biggest supporter. Um, yeah, they won in 2008. They beat Cardiff. Oh, we need, do we need to edit that out of the show? <laughs> um, who won the FA Cup in 2011? Dan's got an answer. So, Chris, whenever you're ready, Arsenal. No, no I've put United, City. <laughs> 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 they beat Stoke. Oh, God. Who won the FA Cup in 2014? <laughs> this is funny. Go on. Chris, go on. Um, two seven years ago. I will say, uh, I say Arsenal again. Dan? I've gone for Chelsea. Chris, 
Chris smashed it, Arsenal. Oh, fuck it out. Get in. They beat Hull. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2016, who won the FA Cup? <laughs> you got something? Yeah. Chris? I will go with Man City. Yeah, I've put Man City as well. Man United. Really? I thought it was when yeah. City beat Wigan. They beat oh, Wigan Palace. That's when Alan Pardew did his dance. <laughs> oh, God. What a bell that bloke was. <laughs> uh, 2018, who won the FA Cup? Oh, I know. Now, now it's getting tense because now we're in the realms of the ones we should remember. <laughs> who won the FA Cup in 2018? Okay. Uh, yeah, go on then, Chris. I'm going to say Arsenal again. Dan? Yeah, I'll put Arsenal as well. Chelsea. They beat it's United. This is tough, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a clue. I can't remember this far back, even though it was only two years ago. And who won the FA Cup <sighs> in 2020? <sighs> <laughs> Oh, Chris, I wish you could see Dan right now because he's fuming. Well, I know what it is, but Chris will know as well. (laughs) (laughs) Chris? Are we ready? Yeah. Uh, I believe this one was Arsenal. Yeah, Dan? Oh, he's so stroppy. I wish you could see him right now. Uh, Yeah, Chris, well done. Smashed it. You win. Is that another win, Dan? He won't even talk. (laughs) (laughs) He's got dead quiet. Uh, yeah, Arsenal well, beat Chelsea 2-1 Well, well, well 9-5 I heard you say They think it's all over No, it's not, not yet It goes to a final week next week uh, Fran, we expect you to pull out all the stops For the big finale next week No, I'm nervous now The pressure's on for like I'm actually going to have to try and make a good quiz I'm going to have to buy a big book of football And these <laughs> Like a Britannia book of encyclopedias on football. Smash it, Chris. Well done. I just, you know, I just, I just, I come out for the big occasions. You know, I just nine five. So, so many people would have just, you know, turned around and accepted defeat, but not me. That's not the sort of bloke I am. You smashed it from being nine four to nine. Nine four. Yeah. I thought it was like nine three. I thought it was nine five. Yeah, it was like eight four and then nine five. Oh, okay. Still, 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 yeah. still, it's still <laughs> potentially the comeback of the century. I just um, want it to be more interesting. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, right, well, next week then, make sure you tune in for the big grand finale of that. There is a forfeit on the line. We still haven't worked out what it is, but I'll be quite glad if it's not me that's doing it. So yes, I will be going. Oh, welcome, everyone. I was planning your forfeit. Now I'm going to have to rethink it. Yeah, he, he genuinely was thinking of forfeits for you. How long ago? What, even like tonight? No, no. no. A few weeks ago. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, yeah. it all goes down to next week. Let's not get too ahead of myself. Still got one more to do. But the the, uh, the form book... The form. <laughs> form book says me. The, uh, the bookies... <laughs> yeah, you're Chelsea and I'm Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. The board stuck with me. <laughs> Um, brilliant well thank you very much everyone for listening a couple of um, things or one quick thing to suggest or to say rather 
um, is that um, everyone will know that um, me being in charge of social medias is not a good thing because I am shit at it. Um, so Fran has very kindly agreed to take over the socials. So we will be having uh, some chats about what we're going to do with it. But the end result of that is that hopefully there'll be lots more things on social media for you to get involved uh, with us. So please do uh, follow us on our socials. We are at Kickabout Pod across all of them. And we will see you all as normal next week. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.